It's from <laughs> Matthew's Gospel. It's on page 516, if you want to look at the Bibles. The parable of the sower. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered round him that he got into a boat and sat in it, while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places, where it didn't have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, a hundred, where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And then going on to... Hmm. Sorry, I've lost it. Verse 18. Listen to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and doesn't understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The one who received the seed that fell on rocky places is the man who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since he has no root, he lasts only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes, because of the word, he quickly falls away. The one who received the seed that fell among the thorns is the man who hears, hears the word, but, worries of, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it making it unfruitful. But the one who received the seed that fell on good soil is the man who hears the word and understands it. He produces a crop, yielding a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Anne. And we're all very pleased that you didn't fall over, bowled over when you started reading it, so that's great, thank you. <clears throat> Let's pray. Jesus, you told this parable about hearing and understanding the word of God. Lord, would you prepare our hearts this morning? Open our ears, renew our minds, send your Holy Spirit that we would be ready to receive your word to us today. Save us from thinking, oh, I've heard this before. Save us from thinking, oh, this is someone else. Save us from thinking that we can't become that good soil. 
Lord, as we think about your words together, would it be you that speaks into our hearts, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we've been going through Matthew's Gospel. We've been going through Matthew's Gospel both in the mornings and the afternoons. In the afternoon service, we have been focusing on some of these great parables that Jesus tells in Matthew. But in the morning, we've been looking at the sort of the gospel story overall. We've been introduced to Jesus through his birth. And then we heard how at his baptism, both John and the father announced who he was. We've seen his temptation in the desert from Satan, which he resists in order to fulfill God's plan for him. And we started to see as his ministry begins to develop last week, we saw that this led him at times into increasing friction, particularly with some of the religious leaders of his day. And now we're moving on to Matthew chapter 13. It's a famous chapter in Matthew for the large number of parables that Matthew records for us. And so I want to think very briefly about parables before we get into this one specifically. What do you think of when you hear that the reading in church is going to be a parable? Maybe you've never heard that word before. It's not a word that we use outside of the church. Those of us who are used to it will have ideas, but perhaps this is a new thing for you. Maybe it takes your mind back to Sunday school. The parables we think of as being really good for all-age talks, Colouring sheets, they're always visual, aren't they? They're sort of fairly simple ideas usually. We've done the same thing at times, even this term. But that's not actually how Jesus uses them. He uses parables to teach his disciples. People of all ages. People of all kinds of backgrounds. He speaks to well-educated, well-informed religious leaders. And he speaks to ordinary, working young men who left their boats to follow him. These parables are here because God, in Jesus, wants to speak to you. But sometimes you have to dig a little bit deeper. Jesus himself at times admits that he speaks in ways that aren't always immediately clear. It's like he is showing us that it's God who has to give us the understanding. We have to be prepared to dig a little bit deeper to get to the seed of what Jesus is saying. I don't know much about gardening, and we'll come back to that, but I do know that crops that grow underground, the first thing you see is the shoots. But what you really need and what you want if you're growing something like potatoes or carrots or apples that all grow underground. (laughs) Terrible joke, terrible joke. Is that you need to dig in. You need to get to the good stuff. And so let's have that attitude as we come to Jesus' parable today. It's a It's a a good story, it's a visual story, it's a simple story, it makes for a fantastic colouring in sheet. But this is about God 
wanting to speak to you and to me. He wants us to dig in. Now, as I said, there is a certain irony of me being the one who is speaking on a parable about growing plants and crops. Let me take a moment to say a huge thank you to everyone who helped in our garden a few weeks ago. I think if gardening simply involved growing lots and lots of weeds, then I would actually be the sort of person who's invited onto gardening world, gardener's world. I can't even get that right. But it doesn't matter if you come to this parable like me, lacking in horticultural skills. God can still say much to us from it. And even if you've heard it many times before. And the wonderful thing about this parable, as we heard when Anne read those two sections, is that Jesus gives us the parable and then he also gives an explanation of the parable. He tells his disciples, they wrote it down, and now we too can hear what this parable, this story, this visual teaching is all about. Let me reread you the explanation. I'm sure you've got the basic story in mind of the farmer who goes out sowing the seed, the seed which lands on four different types of ground and grows or doesn't grow according to what sort of place it finds when it lands. But let me reread that uh, section where Jesus explains it, because this is the crux of what Jesus is talking about in this story. As it goes, we've got a picture that just some words just of the first three types of land that the soil falls on. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is the seed sown along the path. So this parable, Jesus says, is about the word of God going out to all sorts of different people. It's a message about God's kingdom. The king has come in Jesus and there is an invitation to find our place in his everlasting kingdom of light and love and joy and truth. And the message, the invitation to that goes out as the word of God is proclaimed. But in this first situation on the path, when the word goes out, the evil one comes and snatches it away. This is like seed that lands on the path. And even I know that that's not going to start to grow anything. And before long, the birds will come and they'll eat the seed and nothing will come of it. Jesus says, these are those who hear but don't understand. That's why it's so important that we give people an opportunity not only to hear, but also to understand. Things like Alpha, Christianity Explored, small groups, feeling ready and equipped to give a reason for the hope that we have as individuals are so important for us as Christians. This isn't just something that the professionals do, the people with the dog collars or the PhDs or whatever it is. This is a ministry that we can all have to be able to help people to invite them to come and to hear about Jesus and to be ready to give an answer for the hope that we have. Even if we don't have every answer, 
but to be able to point people to the one who does. So some of the soil lands on the path. It represents those people who hear, but just don't understand. It doesn't grow, and at that point, nothing comes from it. Jesus continues, The one who received the seed that fell on rocky places is the one who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since he has no root, he lasts only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, he quickly falls away. This paints the picture of those who hear something of God's word, hear about Jesus, hear the gospel, the good news, but it hasn't dug down very deep. Perhaps it hasn't come with the reality, the teaching that Jesus himself gave, that to follow Jesus doesn't make life instantly better or comfortable or easy. Sometimes we can present a very shallow picture of what it means to follow Jesus. We talk about all the wonderful good things that he gives to us, but we don't acknowledge that walking with the Lord in this world is to cut against the grain. Going with Jesus is to invite opposition and challenge. Now, it's infinitely worth it. But perhaps those who hear a superficial, a shallow message at first think, this is wonderful, this is fantastic. But as Jesus says, as soon as actually some difficulty or challenge or opposition comes, perhaps especially around being known as a Christian, then quickly those people can fall away. The roots have not dug down deep. I look back on my youth group in my church growing up. We had a great youth group. Really, really fantastic young people who all seemed to be on fire for the Lord. We had many, many meetings, long meetings. We had people moving into ministries and gifts and wonderful excitement about how God was at work amongst those young people. And on the, out, on the outside, on the outward-looking side of things, it was quite a remarkable group of young people uh, in Brighton back, uh, you know, sort of 25 years ago. But I look around that group now, and I would imagine that less than half are still walking with the Lord. Now, I don't blame my youth worker. I think my youth worker was absolutely fantastic. It's just the reality. It's what Jesus describes. It's terribly, terribly sad. And my hope, of course, I'm sure, like we all have that hope for people that we will know like that, is that one day what was planted in them will burst back into life. It's a reminder, perhaps, that outward enthusiasm is not the same as roots that the Spirit has dug down deep into the truth of God's Word. Then Jesus gets to the thorns. It's also the point where I stop gardening. Um, Why is it that brambles grow so quickly? Maybe someone can tell me afterwards. The one who received the seed that fell among the thorns is the man who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it, making it unfruitful. These are people for whom the things of this world take over. 
They receive and hear and believe even the word of God. But unless Jesus is our overriding priority, unless Jesus becomes the very center by which we see and understand everything else, then the danger is that our hearts will start to wander after the things that this world says are the most important. I like to think of it a bit like the way that God has arranged the planets in our galaxies. We sang a song about how the stars and the moon declare the glory of God from that wonderful psalm. But for me, it's also a picture of how to have things in their right perspective. God has so arranged it that the most important thing in our solar system is there in the middle and everything else finds its place in correct orbit around the sun. It's the sun that gives life. It's the sun that gives energy. It's the sun which is the center of gravity by which all those other things fit into a pattern that means order, life on earth. And so too for us. We're not the sun, but the son of God is at the center. The one who gives us life. The one by which those other things in our lives find their right place but it's all in orbit around him. He's the one who is at the center of it all. And then those other things are not in danger of taking over or choking, as Jesus says, the light, the life that comes from him. And then, of course, Jesus finishes with these words. But the one who received the seed that fell on good soil is the one who hears the word and understands it. They produce a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. These are those who hear the good news about Jesus, believe it's true, and trust their life over to him, growing, flourishing, even through adversity, able to, by and large, navigate both the challenges and the temptations of the world in which we live and ultimately are fruitful for God's kingdom. It doesn't mean people who are perfect. It doesn't mean people who have answered every question. We had an excellent conversation at Alpha this week. Someone asked a really good question. Of, Do we have to answer all of our questions before we can become a Christian? Well, the wonderful thing actually is that we don't. There are certain things that we need to believe, of course, about who Jesus is and what he's done and what it means, and we have to receive him by faith. But he invites us to keep going on this journey. He invites us to open the word, to read it, to talk to one another, to listen to it being explained, to get together and, and sharpen each other and encourage one another and let the God's word do those things that it's going to do over a lifetime. And while that's happening, we can be growing and flourishing. And through us, God can bring a crop that is many times over. I don't think Jesus wants us to get bogged down in the detail of what those different numbers mean. He's simply making a clear point about those who receive and believe in him. And through them, more will come more seed will grow, more seed will be scattered, more plants will come to life. In our garden, we've got uh, quite a lot of uh, three-cornered leek. 
Is that what it is? I'm looking at Sarah because she knows. Three-cornered leek. Thank you, Sue. Uh, it, it, came from the, it came from their garden. Well, for however many decades it's been spreading around the vicarage, let's take this morning as God's way of using it for good. That plant will grow everywhere. And the seed from the flowers will grow everywhere. And it produces a yield 30, 60, or 100 times what was sown. And perhaps now many, many times more than that. When the right kind of seed finds the right kind of soil, it flourishes and it grows and it spreads. When God's word comes to a heart that is ready to receive him, it grows and it flourishes and it spreads. Someone told me the story recently of how they started coming to church. Friends just invited them to something. Just invited them. It wasn't a particularly evangelistic event. I don't think it had particularly much Christian content or a, speak, a talk at that point. They just invited them to come. And so they came. And then they came back. And then they started coming to something where actually the Bible was open and people talked about Jesus and invited them to consider for themselves, do you know this God? And gradually for this person, they realized it was true. And they came to know Jesus. And they're growing and they're flourishing. And it's not always easy, but God is at work in their life. And that happened because someone else invited them. Now, it's not all about just getting people into church, but it is about introducing people to Jesus, allowing that seed of his word to be planted in their life and seeing these things grow and flourish as he works his miracles in our hearts. We too, all of us, can be those crops God is using to grow more seed to invite others to come to know him as well. I want to finish with this single point. We know, many of us know this parable very well. And one of our first reactions perhaps to hearing it again is to consider ourselves and where we are, and that's clearly right, Jesus is doing that as he teaches this parable, am I good soil? you haven't done that please do where what's my heart where am my heart is is this speaking God speaking to me to say open your heart receive me ask for the soil which will grow this into faith maybe he's doing that for you perhaps also we hear this parable and we start to think of other people that we know that we've been praying for that we have been sharing with that we've been wanting to see come to believe this word which is sown. Well, the farmer keeps on sowing seed. This parable is not a once and for all bit of categorizing people into a certain category. This is not heaven's admin. This is heaven's invitation. Receive the word which brings life, spiritual life, flourishing, and the growth of the kingdom. The farmer doesn't sow their seed one year, 
and say, oh, well, some of that fell on the path. I won't be doing that again. No, the farmer goes on year after year, sowing the seed, looking for growth, looking for life, looking for uh, this wonderful picture of things bursting out of the ground and coming to, to, to be fruitful. This is heaven's invitation. And so we go on. We persevere trusting in the one by whose spirit these seeds are taken and planted and watered and grown. But the wonderful thing is that in the New Testament, we become part of the process. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul says that we plant and water, but it's God who gives the growth. We can keep on going. This isn't a parable to help us categorize people. It's a parable to encourage us to keep on with the message of the kingdom. Sowing the seed. Preparing our hearts. And trusting that Jesus can work through us, through you and me. To call others to this life that is found only in him. As I said, I don't have an awful lot of experience of growing anything successfully. But on the few occasions that we have managed to, and if we do, it's Emily, thanks to Emily, then they do get that sense of satisfaction of seeing something that you've planted growing, being alive. How much greater to feel that God has used you and me to grow something into life in someone's heart. To be part of the process of life with the Lord beginning to flourish. His word, the word of truth, can do that in us and it can do it through us. So let's go on sowing that seed, praying not only for ourselves but for others. Praying not only for the sick in body, but for those who need to receive this message of life. Remember, the parable of the sower is not God's heavenly administration. It is the Father's heavenly invitation. So let's pray. Jesus, as we reflect on this parable that you told, would you... Send your Holy Spirit again into our hearts and speak to us from your word. What are you saying to us about the soil of our own hearts? Lord, help us not to be afraid, to be encouraged and to see the good that you are doing. Lord, help us to see that you are the farmer who keeps on sowing the seed. And that you use those of us who know you to help share that seed, to invite others, to pray for those we'd love to see come to know you and that saving life that is in you. Lord, what are you saying to each of us today? Something about receiving your word. Something about sharing it. Would you speak to us and give us the faith to respond? We ask it, Lord, in Jesus' name.
Amen.